0: after I had my second child, we were home already and we were eating dinner and I was just feeling kind of off. So I just assumed it was something postpartum related. So we called my um, doctor and they had indicated, you know, let's check your blood pressure. So we went and got a blood pressure cuff and that was fine. So he had left it up to me if I wanted to go in to get checked. And I didn't feel that it was entirely necessary. I felt like I was kind of okay. I went to sleep, and then when I woke up in the middle of the night to feed the baby, I couldn't move my left arm to pick him up. Like it was, it would move, but it wouldn't, it was like a slow motion type movement. I still didn't think that I was having a stroke. I just thought that maybe I was just still tired, and that's why that was happening. I was in the hospital for a full week. I was in the ICU for a few days and then um, with COVID, I couldn't have my family come up and I was really struggling um, being away from my baby. They transferred me back to labor and delivery to let the baby come up with me and be with me so we can have our bonding. So yeah, I was in the hospital for a full week. They wanted me to do like an inpatient rehab to, because I was paralyzed on my left side but I, I had a huge support system at home and I just didn't think that was right for me. After I was released from the hospital, I did a six-week intensive outpatient rehab treatment. It was three days a week, an hour a day. But after that, I actually was able to walk again, move my arm again, hold my baby, things like that. So that's how that treatment plan went.
1: Hello, this is Mark Goodyear and welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A cavernoma is a cluster of abnormal blood vessels usually found in the brain and spinal cord. A cavernoma can vary in size from a few millimetres to several centimetres across. If it ruptures, it can lead to a hemorrhagic stroke. In this episode, we hear from Ashley Shornack from Michigan, who suffered a stroke at the age of 30.
0: I was a mom. I have a criminal justice degree. I was doing social work as a living. I work for the state of Michigan. I was just really, you know, I'm married, just doing everyday mom things, nothing too crazy. I did go to college, all that good stuff. But yeah, before the stroke, I just, I would work out a couple days a week. And then actually right before I had the stroke, I had a baby. So I had two kids right before I had the stroke, and then that's when life kind of changed for me. That's who I was. I was a mom and a wife and worked full-time and took care of my family. Two days after I had my second child, we were home already, and we were eating dinner, and I was just feeling kind of off. So I just assumed it was something postpartum related. So we called my um, doctor, and they had indicated, you know, let's check your blood pressure. So we went and got a blood pressure cuff and that was fine. So he had left it up to me if I wanted to go in to get checked. And I didn't feel that it was entirely necessary. I felt like I was kind of okay. I just thought I maybe needed to go to sleep that, you know, I was just kind of tired from, you know, having a baby and all of that stuff. So I went to sleep. And then when I woke up in the middle of the night to feed the baby, I couldn't move my left arm to pick him up. Like it was, it would move, but it wouldn't, it was like a slow motion type movement. I still didn't think that I was having a stroke. I just thought that maybe I was just still tired and that's why that was happening. So I fed him and went back to sleep. And then when we woke up for the day, I couldn't walk to the bathroom. I was having a hard time getting anywhere around the house. And words were a little difficult. I still at that time did not think stroke because, you know, I'm only 30 years old or I was only 30 at the time. So we called my doctor again and they were like, oh, well, come in and we'll kind of figure out. We'll look at you and see what's going on. So we went into my doctor and they kind of just did a couple tests on me. And she said, I need I need you to go to the ER immediately. So that's when we went to the ER. They rushed me for a CT and that's when they discovered that I had the bleed. I have what's called the cavernoma. And we actually weren't aware at the time that I had this. It is like an abnormal cluster of blood vessels in your brain. It's kind of like a benign tumor. And that actually, it can bleed at any time. They say I've had it since birth. It was just something that we weren't aware of because I've never had like an MRI done and it had burst and just started to bleed we are, we're not 100% sure why that happened They think either you know my blood pressure had gone up at some point they also thought maybe from pushing during labor could have caused it they're not 100% sure but yeah I have a cavernoma and it's right on my brain stem I was in the hospital for a full week I was in the ICU for a few days and then um with COVID, I couldn't have my family come up, and I was really struggling um, being away from my baby. They transferred me back to labor and delivery to let the baby come up with me and be with me so we could have our bonding. So yeah, I was in the hospital for a full week. They wanted me to do like an inpatient rehab to, because I was paralyzed on my left side. But I I had a, hu- a huge support system at home, and I just didn't think that was right for me because of Obviously, like I said, COVID restrictions, I wouldn't be able to have anyone with me in the inpatient. So after I was released from the hospital, I did a six-week intensive outpatient rehab treatment. It was three days a week, an hour a day. But after that, I actually was able to walk again, move my arm again, hold my baby, things like that. So that's how that treatment plan went.
1: Doctors decided not to remove Ashley's cavernoma
0: it's still there so i could have a stroke at any time again it's too too risky at this point to remove it because of the location of the cavernoma it could paralyze me i could lose speech i could it's just such a central part of the brain that it, there's just too high of a chance that something can happen so right now i won't be having it removed it's still there i actually have to have a cerebral angiogram tomorrow to kind of look at the blood around it because I recently had another MRI and it hasn't gotten any smaller and sometimes they do after a bleed which is a good sign but mine is the same size it was when I had the bleed so I have to have that procedure done tomorrow to kind of just see what's going on in there but yes it's still in there and it will be I'm assuming the rest of my life, hopefully, that nothing else happens again and it just is there. If it does cause issues, they said it's to be determined if they remove it. I had a second opinion done and they just recommend like no heavy lifting, no like big pushing or pulling because like the straining can cause rupture of it. So I can't take things like uh, aspirin or Excedrin or any like blood thinner type medication, but there's nothing that they really said that I can do to prevent it. I just have to continue, I guess, to live my life because it's an unknown reason why they bleed. So there's no really rhyme or reason of things that I can and cannot do. It gives me um, severe anxiety. There's nothing that I can do about it. So I need to live my life to the fullest with my children and my family so they can have the best life that I can give them and I just have to accept that I have it and some days are easier than others but it is hard knowing that it's still there.
1: Coming up, Ashley on adapting to her return to work.
0: I did go on maternity leave, obviously, right after it happened, and then um, I had to take medical leave as well at the same time, so I was off for 12 weeks, and then I returned back to work. We are working from home, um, so it was an easier transition for me, just because I can take little breaks if I need to. Um, I set a computer all day, so it's not like I have a whole lot of exhaustion physically, mentally I do get exhausted really easily but like I said, I'm able to take little breaks here and there when I need to so that's really nice. And
1: online support.
0: I just did not think that people, you know, young people, my grandma had a stroke when she was, you know, in her 70s. I just thought it was something that, you know, older people had and it wasn't something that young people went through or, you know, someone of any age can go through and the, the type of recovery that people have to you know endure it's just it's very empowering to see other people's stories and know that they also have recovered from such a traumatizing experience
1: ashley was able to leave hospital after only a week because of the strong support network she had back home
0: my husband was huge. He stepped right in and took care of our newborn. And my mother, even though she has her own health problems, came down to help take care of me. Um, My niece, who lived with us at the time, she was 18, helped out around the house. And my mother and sister-in-law were huge They took time, weeks off of work to come and take care of me and my children. So they were just a very big, and they still are like anytime we need anybody, they are right there to step in and help with whatever we need. so I'm very, very grateful for every single one of them. I have some nerve damage on my left side. So my hand is always like numb and tingly. And my left side is very, very like the temperature of the left side of my body, like my hand and my foot are very cold. So I'm always like losing feeling in my hands and my feet. So I'm always trying to like move them. They did prescribe me a medication for it. I'm not huge on medication. So I try not to take it. If it really is bothering me, I will. And it does help. But other than that, I fully, I do get tired really easily. I mean, that comes with having kids too. I don't get a whole lot of sleep. Other than that, it's it's just... Just the left side, numbness and tingling, but I have full mobility. I did go on maternity leave, obviously, right after it happened. And then um, I had to take medical leave as well at the same time. So I was off for 12 weeks and then I returned back to work. We are working from home, um, so it was an easier transition for me just because I can take little breaks if I need to. Um, I sit at a computer all day, so it's not like I have a whole lot of... Exhaustion physically. Mentally, I do get exhausted really easily, but like I said, I'm able to take little breaks here and there when I need to. So that's really nice that I have that availability. It's been okay. It's been challenging just with everything else that was already involved in my life, you know, kids and, you know, home life and taking care of everything around the house. So just trying to balance it all. It's been a little difficult, but we're managing. I don't know if it's necessarily so much the stroke. When I do get tired, I like I said, I take my breaks. But it is it is challenging to go back to work without having a stroke when you have kids. Adding that in is just it is difficult, but we manage.
1: Ashley found comfort in others sharing their stroke stories online.
0: I haven't done any support groups. I have, like, saw a couple support groups. A lot of them are in the UK in regards to cavernomas and strokes. I don't find a whole lot in the United States. I'm more to more of a social media person, so I like to just look and listen at what everyone else is going through. It does help when you hear other people's stories as well and know that you're not the only one who's gone through something like this, so but I haven't really fully reached out. I'm kind of reluctant. I think when I do reach out, it just brings up the memory of having this issue and I like the support and I like spreading awareness about it. I think that's really important, but just putting myself out there to other people, I don't know. It's really a, it's really a hard thing to explain, I guess. I've learned a lot through social media and, regards to specifically the cavernoma and my stroke, I just did not think that people, you know, young people... My grandma had a stroke when she was, you know, in her 70s. I just thought it was something that, you know, older people had and it wasn't something that young people went through or, you know, someone of any age can go through and the the type of recovery that people have to, you know, endure. It's just, it's very empowering to see other people's stories and know that they also have recovered from such a traumatizing experience.
1: And Ashley hopes to one day have another child.
0: We always thought that we were going to be a family of three, you know, have three children. And it's kind of been put on pause right now to, you know, make sure that I'm, good but that's just one if I if we can't have another child I will be okay I love both my both my boys and would be so happy with just them but I would like a third child if that could be at all possible that is a goal but it's it's not guaranteed so I'm not going to be upset if I can't but that would be a goal that I have my neurologist said that he would be okay with us having a third child. I would just have to have a cesarean section as opposed to having a natural delivery just to avoid any pushing or straining on my brains. For a fellow stroke survivor, ask for the help when you need it because it is, I mean, I'm a proud person and I don't like asking for help, but when you need that, that's those support people, they're, that's what they're there for. So reach out. When, it, when you need that help, when you need a break, when you need anything, just reach out because that's why they're there. Same thing with social media. The people are posting those things for a reason so other people can view them. So just reach out. Know that you're not alone. And for the support people, just know that the people who are going through that are very grateful for you.
1: Ashley's stroke continues to impact her day-to-day life, but after a period of intense therapy, she's returned to work and is determined to live a happy and fulfilled life with her husband and two boys, Lincoln and Grayson. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. He called paramedics, and I don't have a lot of recollection beyond that until I was in the rehab hospital four or five weeks later after surgery and then about a week in a pharmacological coma on the vent so that my swelling could go down. I had been transferred several times to different facilities, but the point at which I began to have memory again, I was in an acute rehab where I stayed for about a month before I went to a residential facility and spent about two months for the majority of the summer. Thank you again for subscribing to and listening to Stroke Stories. Many people find it's a great help to hear other people's experiences. And so we'd be very grateful if you'd recommend the podcast to anybody you think it might help. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.